0: Hello, patrons, and welcome to the September 2018 patron special. This month, as promised, we are going to be talking about the return of Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, I I think this is going to be a little bit of a free-form conversation. I kind of got the idea for this because, of course, Jean-Luc Picard is coming back. Uh, I will talk about my experience seeing that because I was indeed in the room when it happened, uh, and it was Mm -hmm. very exciting. Uh, But, uh, you know, I've been reflecting about truck about you know we've been doing this show for six years now and Jesus. yeah i know and when we started doing this show star trek was in a very different position than it is in now you know what what a, what a difference six years makes yeah. uh you know if you it, it was yeah. just a movie
1: well, franchise at that point really and one which had been rebooted very differently from star trek as i know it frankly
0: yeah. And and not even a movie franchise. I mean, I think calling it a movie franchise at that point would have been generous because... You know, if you think back to September 2012, when this podcast first started being released, we had actually started recording, I think, a month or two ahead of time, um, as is our uh, uh, want to get a little bit of a backlog. See, frankly, Um, I thought
1: the world was going to end at, was that end of September or early October, remember? What was the date exactly? You
0: never thought that was really going to end. I figured,
1: all right, I'll commit to a 20-year podcast because, you know, the world will be over before it finishes.
0: And coincidentally enough, we never really got to the end of the X-Files, which also had 2012 resonances, but that's a, that's a separate conversation. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, if you think back to 2012, Star Trek Into Darkness had just come out, I believe, in July of 2012. That was only the second of the reboot, JJ-verse, whatever you want, bad robot movies, whatever you want to call them. And... uh, It it kind of got very bizarre reactions from fans. I think famously that year was the year that it was voted the worst Star Trek movie of all time at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention, which, of course, was probably a little bit of trolling, but but also is kind of true. And uh, it was dead, essentially. I mean, like there were no television shows. There was nothing. And so when we started this podcast, it was very much like the Star Trek that I grew up watching. The 90s sort of, you know, Zero Zero era Berman Trek was what we were going to be covering. That was Star Trek to a lot of people. And now we are in a very different position where we have Discovery. We have this announcement of this new Jean-Luc Picard thing, whatever that's going to be. We have other things that are rumored to be in the, in the works. So... I think it was a good opportunity to kind of touch base about where we're at and, and kind of see like what we think about what's happening. So I guess a question for you, Richard, is I kind of know that you're not super excited about the Jean-Luc Picard thing because you're not super excited about Discovery.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I, I the way I've been thinking about it, the end of, Dis- of Season 1 of Discovery, which ends with the Enterprise and now with the Jean-Luc Picard story, like, the fact that they are going to show the two fan-favorite captains uh, is, or at least the two fan-favorite ships, or you you know what I mean? They're going, it feels like pandering in a way. Uh, It almost feels like, gee, they don't really trust the universe that they're working in. They don't really trust the story they're trying to tell. But at the same time, I feel like, they're right not to trust it because I thought Discovery sucked. Like the more I think about it, the more I felt very, I didn't like it. And yeah, so yeah. I I I would, more than going back to the well, I would much rather see, again, you know, the DS9 sequel series, the sequel series to the next gen era. Or I would like to see something very different, but if they're not capable of doing that, well, at least giving the fans what they wanted is better than nothing, I kind of feel. Is that ungrateful i don't know
0: i don't think it's ungrateful i mean i think it's interesting that you say you would want to see the the ds9 you know series as a mythical season eight when of course that would be probably created by the same creative staff that uh uh created star trek discovery so well you you know know, my
1: elaborate fan uh series that i want to write someday so maybe if they want to go it they'll tap me to do it
0: I think you should probably move to Los Angeles as quickly as possible to no. uh, get a few credits under your belt. California's so you on fucking fire. Well, so is Oregon. So is Washington. That's the true. Whole, the whole fucking West Coast is on fire. Uh, it's the end of days. So.
1: Speaking of 2012, I, mean, I, I,
0: <laughs> I, I hear that certainly. And I think that that I have reservations about it too. And. You know, so so I was at the convention in August. I, I don't go to the convention every year. I go every couple of years, maybe every three years, because, you know, it's expensive. Um, and it's a good time. And honestly, I've been to Star Trek conventions multiple times in my life. So so how many times can you see the same actors tell the same stories over and over again? Um that is not, you know, I'm not being churlish. I mean, I really do enjoy going and, and seeing a lot of them. I mean, Marie DeSirtis is a delight and Jonathan Frakes is a delight. And, you know, the, the Voyager cast is always fun. There, there's a lot of good things about seeing these people. Uh, I got a hug from Wilson Cruz this year, which was very exciting. But
1: <laughs> and, and Mary You've Chico, told that story plays, like four times. I love it. Like, I, I could see this definitely being one of the highlight moments in life, though.
0: Oh, it was great. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell the story maybe at the end of this. But, uh, you know, Mary Chifo, who played the rail in the first season of Discovery, has has really gone all in on being part of the Star Trek family. And it is just wonderful to watch. I mean, she came out on stage when uh, J.G. Hertzler and um, the the actor who plays Gal Ron's name is escaping me. Uh, O'Reilly. Um and one of the Duras sisters were out on stage in full Klingon makeup and she came out to sort of play around with him which I thought was great. So so she's really on board with this. And so I was in the room when uh when Alex Kurtzman was there and and what happened essentially was that um they had made this announcement that uh, you should stick around after William Shatner is over. Don't don't leave after William Shatner's uh, uh you know stage time. And and I wasn't in the room when William Shatner was on stage because He's an old cranky yeah. man, and a lot of times he's boring and goes on twenty minute tirades about his horses, which I don't care about. How
1: pissed off, by the way, must he have been to say no? Stay, stay past William Shatner, something really cool is going to happen. I mean, how much I know. anger him?
0: <laughs> I know that probably would have made him extremely vitriolic, uh, just seething and quiet rage. Um, well, who am I kidding? William Shatner doesn't do anything quietly. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, Alex Kurtzman, they, they did say, you know, the executive producer showrunner Discovery is here to give an announcement. We all kind of had an idea that it was going to be about the next Star Trek series. And he comes out on stage and he's talking. And then he says, you know, I, I've brought someone with me to announce what the next series is. And we're all like, OK, is this going to be Patrick Stewart? And of course, here comes Patrick Holy Stewart. Shit. The place erupts. I mean, it just goes insane. Oh uh, some, some, some guy yells out, holy shit. And the room just like, die, like just cracks up. Uh, he talks for about five minutes about how he thought he was done with this chapter of his life and how he had had meetings with Alex Kurtzman and some other people. And, he, he really felt like this was going to be something worthwhile and this was going to be good. Mm-hmm. And the room just erupted again. He started crying. It, you know, he said that was just a proof that, that this was the right decision, that there was still so much love for him and so much love for Picard in the world, which of course is true. And, you know, I had the same reservations you did. You know, I did not like the first season of discovery. I think it's okay. Um, But the more I've heard about what is going on here, I think I'm more excited about it because leaving Discovery outside of this conversation for right now, because Discovery is a real thing and season two will be coming relatively soon. So I don't want to spend a ton of time delving into and sort of mining whether or not Discovery Season 2 is going to be any different than Discovery Season 1. It very obviously is going to be, if for no other reason than the showrunners were fired.
1: Yeah, but I actually, I do want to interject and I say, I think that is a big part of why I know I'm a little less trepidatious about the Picard series, because Discovery has such a fucked creative process, and I really felt that in the series. didn't know what it wanted to be about because, like, 40 different people were showrunning it, and some of that is happening with the second season. Um I do get the sense the Picard thing is, just by virtue of Patrick fucking Stewart being at the helm, you know, being there, uh I think it will be a lot more consistent in that way.
0: I, I think so, too. And, A, I think that Patrick Stewart has a real eye for quality material Mm -hmm. and why while there is no script while they don't really have a story yet i have to trust that patrick stewart would not do this if it if he didn't think it was going to be good now does that mean it's going to be good no of course it doesn't but i trust him you know i think that you know, people have said, uh, "Well, he made Nemesis, for example," and of course, he did make Nemesis. And we have not gotten to Nemesis yet. We are still a few months out from from getting to Nemesis. But uh, you know, Nemesis is is not great, and I don't think a lot of the TNG movies were great, but. That was also a different point in his life. You know, he had come yeah. off of TNG and he was still in Picard mode. He has not played Picard since 2002. I think they made Nemesis in 2002 and it came out in 2000. It did come out in 2002. So, you know, he has, he effectively said that the the character was was buried and dead as far as he was concerned, that he was never going to play Picard again. So for him to, to essentially come out of retirement, quote unquote, to, to play Picard again, I think is a strong statement that he has, you know, gotten assurances from the creative team behind the new Star Trek that it is going to be good. And I and, have um...
1: good. No, no, no. Well, I was going to say I could see thematically this going to places that Star Trek has been very good about. I mean. At this point, Picard is roughly at maybe the age that Admiral Kirk was, right? Like, hes I, I can see the series is probably going to put him at a similar point in his career. And I really liked the, what the Star, the Star Trek movies did with that, having a character who is out of what he was good at, who was not in something he was passionate about, who was getting older, who was dealing with those things. And... Certainly, Picard is going to be in a very different direction with that. Picard has – one of the themes that they mined out of Captain Picard in the movies and in the later seasons was he was somebody who was looking back and uh, realizing the things that he might have missed, that he missed having a family, he missed having companionship, he missed having relaxing fun because of his – Duties towards Starfleet, and while he loved his duties towards Starfleet and he doesn 't have any regrets or anything like that, uh, there is still the wonder i mean what I can very easily imagine this being something okay Picard finally retired out of Starfleet and he settled down with somebody, and now events are happening that he needs to be back in the in, in the swing of things and his feelings towards that and Frankly, in a way, that's kind of where Patrick Stewart himself is in, somebody who retires from that character and then 15 years later goes back into it because there's a last thing to say.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with all of that, and, and Patrick Stewart even intimated as much on stage when he—he—I don't remember exactly what he said because I was too busy freaking the fuck out. But he—he—he uh, he, he basically intimated that that it was possible that that uh, Jean-Luc Picard was, was no longer going to be in Starfleet. Um, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Right? I mean, maybe he's yeah. going to get called out of retirement. You know, who knows? But. I don't necessarily want a good of speculating on exactly what it's going to be about. Because yeah, 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 of course. Because, frankly, we have no idea. And whatever we could come up with is probably not going to be as good as what they come up with. But, um, well, I don't know. I mean, we all saw the first season of Discovery. Ta- but I think that, well, A, the creative team that is behind this, that has been announced, makes me very... Optimistic, And the two names that are attached to this so far are Kristen Beyer, who wrote, I think, one of the better episodes of season one of Discovery and also has written a lot of the uh, post-TNG uh, Voyager relaunch novels, which is an interesting uh, n- data point, if nothing else. Uh,
1: excuse me, what episode did she write?
0: She wrote, I believe she wrote the last episode before the hiatus into the forest i go okay. which you know was not a great episode but that was the one where they were on the planet and yeah, went yeah, nuts. Yeah. I, I thought it was decent um and michael shapen is also involved which is kind of bizarre but okay he is not someone who has ever been attached to star trek before but he is uh probably most famous for winning a pulitzer prize <laughs> so has he done i think
1: any television before
0: he has been involved in various things, but I don't mm. believe he has ever written for television before. No, so this could very much go down a road of Stephen King writing for the X Files. I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. I, I hope that uh, he's. I mean, I mean, he's a better writer than Stephen King. I love Stephen King. Yeah. But, uh it, you know, Michael Shabin is like an amazing writer. Well, Michael um, Shabin
1: does a lot of very interesting stuff with the genre. He using genre as a method of uh, you know, in a way, he was about redeeming genre novels, and uh, yes. so there is the typical uh, I, I I can see him doing a lot with the concept of a science fiction show that excites me
0: yeah he is he is definitely someone who really could have gone down i don 't want to get too much into literary theory and all that kind of stuff, but He is very much someone that could have gone down a literary fiction rat hole and instead tried, I think, to bridge the gap between literary fiction and genre fiction to to various degrees of success. But he is definitely an interesting person to be attached to this. Um, And so what I think is what, what makes me optimistic about this is that I think, you know, like you said with Kirk. Part of, I think, our problem with Generations is that we didn't buy that Kirk's ultimate fantasy was to be riding horses in the California foothills with a beautiful wife. His last dying wish would have been to be in command of a starship. And that is not, that is very much not Picard's last dying wish. Picard is a very different Mm. person. And that has always been a very interesting tension at the, at the heart of the character, where we have had a lot of episodes of The Next Generation which have had Picard get tempted to to, to leave Starfleet or to look mm-hmm. back and see what his life would have been like if he hadn't joined Starfleet. I mean, that was the point of family. That was the point of tapestry. That was the point of In know, our, him with his archaeology background. Inner light, even, uh, I would
1: say, where he becomes a respected member of a community in that fantasy is still something satisfying to him.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I can very easily see this coming to light being 15 or 20 years after the end of Nemesis and Picard is... You know, he's teaching archaeology at Starfleet Academy, or he's living on some colony world, or whatever he's I mean, doing.
1: E- even in uh, all good things, we see him working the vineyard. I mean, it's very possible the series begins with him back at his family home.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely could, and and I think that that would be a really interesting place to take the character. I, you know, we don't know what this is going to be, right? I mean, I highly doubt that they're they're saying that this is the next Star Trek series. I highly doubt that. I, I highly doubt that Patrick Stewart is signing up to make 13 episodes a season for five years. He He's may do a one-season. Almost 80 years old.
1: One-season st- anthology story arc thing. Maybe then— But I think— may, it, Wouldn't it be cool if this series scene becomes like, then the next season is about uh, Troy and what she's doing, and then we have a Geordie season and all that?
0: Yeah, like, that I, I be think fun. that would be really interesting. <laughs> You know, that would be really cool. And I think, you know, it could be getting the band back together. They, they might want to get some TNG DS9 Voyager uh, cast members to reprise their roles in the Picard miniseries. There was this really crazy rumor going around um, that was highlighted by the fact that Star Trek and, and CBS had, uh, had registered two trademarks, one for Star Trek Reliant and one for Star Trek Destiny. So they're kind of like, oh, what are they using these for? We don't know. Destiny, if you don't know, is a uh, pretty highly regarded relaunch um series. I think it was a trilogy that was essentially delving into the Borg and it was like the final word on the Borg and like where they came from and it joined together all these different um all these different shows, Esri Dax is in it and you know, Riker and Troy are in it and Picard is in it, and it's it's kind of fascinating. Uh, so th- so that would be something to, to watch. I mean, if they did try and adapt, D- you know, Destiny as the Picard miniseries, that would be something that I think yeah. people would freak out about rightly. Um, but, you know, we don't know what it's like. But I but I think that, I don't know, I'm, I'm optimistic for it. You know, I think I have to be, right?
1: <laughs> well, I think to a degree, Picard is the hero we need right now, right? Like, I, I, I think we've been dealing with moral ambiguity for a long time. And we've needed to deal with moral ambiguity for, for a long time, but at this point we have Donald Trump and fucking Nazis, and we need just an, an unambiguously good hero right now. And Captain Picard is an unambiguously good hero. We need to, we need to be watching somebody who is doing completely the right thing all the time, and discovery for and I don't fault discovery for having a little more shades of gray at all, but it did have those shades of gray.
0: Yes, I, I agree with that. I mean, I don't know what Discovery Season 2 is necessarily going to be like, and, and maybe this is a good opportunity for us to transition into the second part of this conversation, which is more of a, a look at you know where Star Trek is going uh, as a franchise, because Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman, I think, is very deliberately positioning himself as the new Rick Berman. Yeah. And... Is he a good choice to be the new Rick Berman? People have varying opinions on that. I mean, I... people
1: have varying opinions on if Rick Berman was the best, but Rick Berman, I'd say.
0: <laughs> That's true. I mean, you know, maybe we'll do a patron special on Rick Berman at some point, but I feel like this was the best outcome that was possible. And I'm being very careful here because. Star Trek has been floundering for 15 years and it's still floundering on the Paramount side. We can touch on the movies a little bit in this conversation, even though we've not seen any of them except for the first one. Uh, and we haven't covered them on we'll Trek about yet, but this is definitely they're, they're positioning this as Star Trek has firm production and creative yeah. footholds now and this is going it's going to have someone behind it that is going to do the role that Rick Berman did with Star Trek in the 80s and 90s to keep it on track
1: well again my my understanding about Rick Berman is that well maybe people would have done a better job with it uh, I get the sense he did respect the franchise and did try to do a good job with that and I mean, we said this about Seth MacFarlane. Maybe his work ethic outstripped his ambitions, but Rick Berman did work, right? Like that. Did, am I correct on all of these?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with you totally. I mean, so
1: I think maybe for this era, maybe Brian Fuller, unrestrained, would have given us some fucking amazing Trek, but I don't think he has the track record to actually pull off something of that magnitude, which is. I mean, we talk about showrunners, but Rick Berman was kind of the franchise runner in the 90s, you could say. And yeah, may, a- Alex Kurtzman may not reach the creative heights that another person would do, but he, is go- but he gives a shit about the franchise, frankly, cares about what's going on and wants to do a good job with it and is able to put all of those moving pieces together.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good summation, but let's not forget that Alex Kurtzman being the Rick Berman of this era of the Star Trek franchise doesn't presume that he can't pull a Rick Berman Michael Piller and hire someone like Iris Stephen Bear to make a show like star trek deep space nine which of course is the best star trek show i broke no argument on that and is one of the best television series ever made in my opinion you know so yeah i, I just don't think it's humanly possible for alex kurtzman to show run every single star trek series i would even be surprised if he was going to be the main creative force behind the Picard miniseries or limited series or whatever it's going to end up being.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that is the talent of a good franchise runner is recognizing who needs to take care of what. And yes, maybe some, some things I need to take a bit more of the heavy hand on others. He's got this. I can, I'll, I'll just check in every once in a while to make sure they're not going over budget, but otherwise like I'm best hands off on this.
0: Yeah. I mean, Alex Kurtzman is the showrunner for Star Trek Discovery going forward. I don't know how long he's going to stay in that position. He may get very busy with other things, but I feel I feel fine about it. You know, I think that the one real misstep that Star Trek has had so far is in cbs's decision to to hire brian fuller frankly and you know i think in in hindsight that was a bad decision this is a person who is incredibly creative incredibly iconoclastic incredibly inventive but just doesn't have the follow-through frankly and you know his his best and and longest running series was hannibal which almost no one watched so and I think it was also on network television, which I think says a lot about perhaps how Brian Fuller needs to be reined in. Yeah. I don't think that he does well when given a lot of creative latitude and freedom, frankly. Yeah, he's someone um, who maybe
1: a tiny budget is and a lot of oversight is best for him because he'll work yeah. against those constraints. But.
0: but I also think that, that kind of paradoxically, the, the chaos behind the scenes so far since this era of Star Trek... Since 2015, when they when CBS had that famous press release that came out that said that Star Trek was coming back to television and Brian Fuller is going to be making it, or actually no, I think they didn't announce Brian Fuller until later than that. But anyway, uh, is that this is just par for the course? This is how Star Trek operates. Yeah, Star Trek has always been like this, right? I mean, the first two seasons of the Next Generation were famously chaotic behind the scenes. Uh, the original series was chaotic behind the scenes. Like the, all television is chaotic behind the scenes for the most part, but. I think that it comforts me in a weird way to know that this is continuing because this is not forever. You know, it is going to take them a while to figure out how to make Star Trek in a new era. And if Star Trek discovery was not immensely successful, I think a lot of people are responding to it. I think that the, the, like pretty much all of the cast members were at the convention and they're all on board with being part of the star trek family and and they were uh welcomed with open arms by the fans
1: yeah there's i
0: mean w- weirdly enough, like seeing a lot of the uh costumes and a lot of the uniforms, and there were a couple of amazing discovery Klingon cosplays that frankly blew my mind okay. uh made me like and appreciate discovery even more because it's you're able to put it into a context, and the fans are interpreting it. And making it their own thing?
1: Yeah, maybe we just need to see it more and get more used to it, and that'll uh, take care of this. I mean, it's fine if there's a degree of growing pains. You, You know the old saying, the first pancake's for the dog. I mean, maybe that was the first season of Discovery. Yeah, it sucks, but we just needed to get one out of there. We have new Star Trek, and now we'll iron out the kinks, and we're doing it for real this time.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I would be very surprised if, I promised that this wasn't going to be a Discovery thing, and of course we're turning it into one, but I would be very surprised if the second season of Discovery was tonally the same as the first season. You know, I think the first season had a lot of problems. We have examined them in great detail. I don't think we need to get into it now. But the second season so far, I think, is going to be different. And is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? Who knows, right? I have no idea. I'm not going to make that prediction, but... I feel pretty good about the direction of the franchise, even as I don't feel super good about the first season of Discovery.
1: I guess, in a way, you're excited that the franchise is actually happening. In other words, if Discovery wasn't the best Star Trek ever, it also didn't kill the kill the momentum. It's not like they saw that and it was so bad and people, and fans were so hostile to it that it's like, all right, we're just going to... Pretend that this never happened and we're just going to try again in 10 years. Like the, the, There was enough of there, I think you're feeling, that a refined version of the same can be really good. Just as, again, first season of TNG or even the first Star Trek movie had a lot of problems. But then they kind of figured their shit out and figured out, all right, this is how we tell this story for a new era. These are the kind of episodes we need to make. This is what we want to talk about. I th-
0: yeah, it's going to take them time to, to figure that out. And and I think that a lot of the... Pro- I mean, this is my theory, but after seeing the entire first season of Discovery and, and seeing the behind-the-scenes chaos, it really does seem to me that so many of the problems of Discovery Season 1 had to do with the fact that they were taking a sketchy outline from Brian Fuller yeah. and having to implement it themselves and not fully understanding it. And, you know, I mean, if they're not doing that for season two, then they're obviously not because Brian Fuller has absolutely nothing to do with season two of Discovery, it might be better. You know, it might be better. And we'll see where that goes. I mean, and the other thing too, of course, is that if I never warm to this era of Star Trek, if if we never warm to it, Yeah. Does it matter? No. Uh, You know, Deep Space Nine is not going away. TNG is not going away.
1: Yeah, we are not those internet assholes who are all, oh, it's ruining our childhood. I mean, uh, bullies ruin my childhood. uh, A new Star Trek series is not going to do that. You can still have your love for Picard and all of them, right?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that that paradoxically for me, I, I gain a renewed appreciation for Discovery in particular by, by watching other fans get really invested yeah. in it. And am I going to think it's the best show ever? No, probably not. But I'm also looking at it on a different perspective. You know, I'm actually going to be interested to see what my thoughts are about Discovery Season 2 because I'm not going to be watching it as a critic. I'm just going to be yeah. watching it as a Star Trek fan. I mean, we're not doing it for the podcast live so that will be a different experience for me. Maybe I would have liked Discovery Season 1 more if I wasn't watching it like that. I, I, I don't no yeah I mean Uh,
1: I've been so I've been watching Castle Rock for example and in a lot of ways it's a terrible show but I'm really enjoying like oh what's gonna happen next and what's her what's she really doing and what does that mean kind of stuff and because I don't have to really worry about the quality of it in the same way I do when I'm watching for this I kind of enjoying turning my brain off and just watching it (laughs) and um I can see a bit of that for discovery too, like where we are looking in a way to be critical to it. And I guess, see, you know, seeing other fans loving it shows that there is something there that is, that you, that you were able to find a next generation, for example.
0: Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, there are a lot of fans that love Voyager. There are a lot of fans that love enterprise. You know, we have gone up and down on Voyager. And I think that, that, We'll we'll see where we land when we get to the, the end of the series. I, I don't think it's going to be an optimistic take on the entire series I'm as a whole. Down but, right
1: now, I gotta be honest, but that's another story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't watched the episodes for this week yet, so don't 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 warn me. But I mean I've seen them before, obviously. But and I think the thing that people need to keep in mind is that we have been through this at least twice before. You know, mm-hmm. very famously back in nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight, uh the Next Generation was not seen as Star Trek. You know, it was this weird thing. And there were people f- at conventions wearing shirts that were basically like F. Picard. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, I was not around then to go to conventions. I was like six years old. But still, I see pictures and I've heard accounts of this and talk to people that were around at this period in, in Star Trek history. And it really wasn't until like 1990, 1991 that... TNG started to be broadly accepted yeah. by Trekkies. And, and we so we have already gotten that out of our system. We've already gotten the idea that the original series is Star Trek and everything else is this weird interloper. So Discovery had a little bit of an advantage there. And then as well, I think that having the J.J. Abrams movies hmm. also was a little bit beneficial to Discovery because we already had an experience of new fans coming into Star Trek whose first experience with Star Trek was through Star Trek 09 or through Star Trek Into Darkness. And they would come. They would come to the conventions. They would talk about how they got into Star Trek through the J.J. J. Abrams movies and how they went back and rewatched the original series, and Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine and really fell in love with it. And so that's really good, I think. You know, I, I don't I don't have an issue with any of that. And and I'm not a huge fan of the J.J. J. Abrams movies. I think that generally they're fine. But I also think that they're more a vehicle for getting new fans in than anything else.
1: Yeah. And this is another kind of internet asshole we don't want to be is gatekeeping in a way. And whatever kind of gets you to the franchise, I mean... Some people go through J.J. Abrams movies. Some people have to watch every single episode and do a podcast about it. Some people watched the- or- <laughs> Who would ever do right? that? You know, that sounds insane. Some people watched the original series in the 60s when it fucking aired and saw every single thing. In a be- and all of those people are valid as fans. Their love is equally valid there.
0: Oh, Oh, absolutely, for sure. And- you know, I think that it's going to be very interesting for us to to get to this era of Star Trek on Trek about because I honestly don't know what, like what that's going to be like for us. I you know, we always had the idea that we were going to have the JJ J. Abrams movies to do, at least the first two, and I think that things are not going well over there for these movies. I mean,
1: well, the... Chris
0: Pine and Chris Hemsworth both just backed out of Star Trek Four. Is that a negotiating tactic? Is it not? I don't know. We are not TMZ, but like I just I think that they're going to be viewed in twenty to thirty years as this sort of like weird offshoot of Star Trek or this weird side story that never really went anywhere. Um, it was so they were we'll, good we'll see. if they
1: got. I mean, it, it seems like the more interesting things now is what's happening with television. Again, Discovery is maybe a little more interesting than the original series, but with different characters, different actors. Um, the Picard story is a little more interesting than what the movies are doing, maybe. And so, a, a, in a way, as training wheels for the real iteration or a ramping up, maybe, is a better term for it, for what came later, I mean, they may be a drop in the bucket compared to... In the '90s, Star Trek had four, you know, four series, right, and a bunch of movies. The three J.J. Abrams movies may be a prologue to a real era of Star Trek again.
0: Yeah, I think that's really right because you know it's funny you say that. I I had not really picked up on this, but I was doing some reading about about Star Trek and just kind of thinking about it a few days ago, and I realized that it was the same amount of time between. Uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture and the premiere of Star Trek the Next Generation as it was between Star Trek 09 and the premiere of Star Trek Discovery. Really? Yeah. Yeah, 1979 to 1987 and 2009 to 2017.
1: And I but I assume it was it wasn't nearly as no, it was only about 5 years between the ending of the T, uh, of Enterprise and the 09 movies, right?
0: It was four years, yeah. So it wasn't anywhere near as long as the 10 years between TOS and the motion picture. But still, like four four 10 years, it's not a long time. Yeah, it's a similar uh,
1: chunk of time in a way.
0: And I think that that might just be the amount of time that Star Trek needs to refresh and revitalize itself. Well, I think we could probably continue to talk about this for another 40 minutes, but I think we'll call it a patron special. Once again, thank you all very, very much for your continued support. Uh, it would, It's very, very, very much appreciated. Next month, we are going to be talking about the classic Roman Polanski movie, Rosemary's Baby, just in time for Halloween. So join us then. Thank you very much. Continue to listen to Chuck about. We love you all.